live for a special edition of First Strike this week. Moved it to Thursday night to get a reaction of the big announcement today. It was pending. We were excited and uh, glad to be joined by the full house, except for Final Nub, who is uh, taking a rest and I think preparing. He's a little sick under the weather and, and preparing for some GP hotness or RPTQ, not sure, but he's going to be dominating some modern with some sort of graveyard deck, either Dredge or Grishel brand. And uh, got to plug our sponsor, facefacegames.com, the number one place to get your Magic the Gathering singles. And this week, the special, the weekly deal is old school cards. So if you're an old school player, I think you're getting 15% off all the old school singles. So definitely go to facefacegames.com and check that out. And of course, Ultimate Masters is releasing tomorrow. There's people who love to pre-order cards and make sure that they get the specific cards they want. So if you want specific singles, specific foils, or specific box toppers, once again, go to facefacegames.com. And now we're just gathering our thoughts together because we just reacted to the most recent news. And when I first heard the news via leak, super excited because this morning... Well, think about what I wanted the announcement to be. I was talking to Elliot. I'm like, and other people, I just want a lot of money to, to go into the PT to make being a Pro Tour player actually viable. Because I know a lot of the, the pros are just scraping by the ones that are my good friends. Some of them you know, really need to write and do all this other content stuff. And, and it's not as fancy, like the whole travel the world, uh, see the world thing. You know, it's not as hype as they make it out to be. And something like this is is actually genuinely making me hyped. Um, Elliot, how, how do you feel? Oh, I have no idea how to feel. I think this is like super hype and like $10 million is a lot of money. Uh, but at the same time, like what's happening to the players like us, who, you know, play five, six Grand Prix a year, maybe even more than that. And, you know, are trying to qualify as silver and, and stuff like that. You know, like, are we screwed? Is this Is this just like, a regular esport now where it's only the best of the best making money. But at the same time as like a viewer of that, it's going to be so sick. We're going to see like the same names all the time. It's going to be like a legitimate esport. I'm, I'm going to know that when I'm watching Owen Turtenwald play at the pro tour, that he's not like, I don't know, eating frozen taquitos at night to, <laughs> to live this dream. And it's like, not only, not only is it going to be sweet to watch, but for the players who like it's, it's their dream to play on the pro tour. It's like a reasonable dream now. Like you have people playing games like League of Legends, like Dota, like Hearthstone, where they wanna, you know, maybe they're competitive and they want to make the leap to the professional level, and those games can support them. And I think it's really awesome that Magic's doing something to support players who are making that leap and committing to that level because like you said, people are scraping by. So I, there's a lot of good in this announcement. There's a lot of what about these people kind of thing in the announcement. And I think it, it only gets better with more info. Right. Scraping by and also maybe rel- over-reliant on certain results. I uh, hear we're talking about, it seems to suggest that there's 32 players slash streaming contract that are each worth 75K up for grabs. And, and, and I expect those 32 people, um, as we've criticized on this show and, and Jerry and his piece, uh, we're always looking for, for YC to, to start build. And, and I think this is, again, a step in the right direction, having these 32 p- people, and they're talking about in the, on these articles on the mothership that they're going to try to promote these, these 32 and every uh, thing to see these same players, builds the names, 
uh, gives more casual viewers someone to root for. So I'm really excited about that aspect as well. Uh, let's get some first impressions from you, Andy. Holy crap. So there's so much going on in the, in the article and the original leak that we saw. But um, my first instinct is that, like, this is, this is going to be the best thing to ever happen to Magic for a, as a game. I think, like, when I think of, like, how many people watch Hearthstone streamers and Hearthstone tournaments, and, like, imagine if they were just playing a game that's as good as Magic. And that's what we're going to have now. And watching Arena is so much smoother than watching paper. Watching paper for, like, an outsider is a nightmare. But, like, watching MTG Arena for someone who doesn't really know what's going on is going to draw new people in, just like Hearthstone did. And just like all these other uh, games that are primarily done online do. So what I'm thinking is that this is going to make Magic big time. Like, this is what's going to make Magic, like, constantly in the top five, top ten on Twitch. And the best part is, this is what I keep thinking, is the $75,000 a year is, like, a pretty good living. And it's uh, decent, especially for playing a game. And it involves a streamer contract. So it's just such a smart move by Watsi because now they're going to have these people streaming their game. And let's say they fall out of the top 32 for whatever reason. This person's job for the last year was to just stream MTG Arena. So they're just going to keep streaming MTG Arena probably to see if they can make that work. And then they're going to have the new people in the top 32 who are contracted to do it. And there's just going to be so many good content producers for MTG Arena streaming, and people are going to want to watch that. So I think this is like this is going to be hopefully the biggest thing ever for helping Magic grow, then more than just sort of like a, a hobbyist type thing. Right. I agree with you. And the whole $10 million thing, I think it's just huge. It's just huge. Just talking to players, looking to alternatives even, um, the, because the money is, hasn't been there. And they're like, okay, everyone, and I don't know about you, Andy, but people in my inner circle are like, hey, let's just jump to Artifact. We, we hear there's going to be a million-dollar tournament next year and maybe more. Maybe they're going to put a lot of money into it because it's Valve uh, behind it. And now, like, with this announcement, all these people I've talked to, it's like, hey, it was nice knowing you, Artifact. Back to magic. Andy? Yeah, I, I wanted to just briefly like get some hot, like some takes on Twitter that I'm reading right now from the people that matter the most to, to people who listen to this cast and us. Ben Stark, I was worried we would only see a substantial but still relatively small increase. If I understand this correctly, this takes pro magic from a grind to a really good job. For the first time in my adult life, it might be time I fully dedicate myself to pro magic and doing my best. This is from Hall of Famer Ben Stark. Like, that's incredible. <laughs> that's incredible to me. Like getting these people to just fully commit to the game instead of like being forced to do other things. And hopefully now we can get the kind of best content that out of these people. Like, so Brad Nelson sometimes will stream Magic, but it's just there's not that big of an incentive for him, for him to do it sometimes. But like. What if Brad Nelson knows that he's going to make 75k a year for just going to these uh, Magic, not the Pro Tour, but the Mythic Fest, Mythic Challenges or whatever, and also stream Arena, and he's going to make a good living? Brad Nelson is a fantastic content creator and just exactly the kind of person you want to get eyeballs towards the game. And every like the competitive players respect him. He's funny. The new players will love to watch him, and like you're just going to get 32 of people like this. And 
it's just going to keep flowing even as these people fall out of the top 32, in my opinion. Yeah, and I was just going to say that I have a lot, it's going to give me a lot more respect for these people like Ben Stark, who's been grinding it through in the old system without all these benefits, uh, who's had to make um, find either other jobs or, or um, play poker on the side, which is uh, what a lot of these uh, players I, I know have done. Um, Derek, for the first person to give us a, a negative take, you know, never to disappoint us. Why is this a bad announcement, Derek? Uh, I, I'm still kind of blown away by it. Uh, the, the negative part about it is that I can't process all this information fast enough to tell you anything bad about it. Uh, I guess the worst part is that Wizards should have told us this sooner. Did you know that like they somewhere in the article hid that they're just chopping off two pro tours and they're changing the name and all this stuff? Like it seems to me with all this information, there's still something not right that's working. Like it's still Wizards of the Coast sewering it somehow. Um uh, I I I don't know. I'm so I'm so I'm still thinking about what this means for for me as like a streamer and a grinder and as somebody trying to like break through and they're just sort of like cutting that. But like, I feel like I'm, I'm top 32 moto grinders. So maybe, I don't know. I have to have more information. I'm so lost in the, the, the flow at all. It's a lot of, a lot of stuff to take in. You don't think you could hunt your way into one of those slots? Uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's like, uh, like, I, I still don't know. I'm, I'm at a loss for words right now. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a ton of information that still needs to be, uh, unveiled because I don't know how hyped I'm supposed to be for this special $1 million MTG arena mythic invitational event at Paxi's in Boston. March 28th to 21st. I don't know how that million dollar, what that means uh, if I'm going to that because I'd be excited to go at the first big event with all this new stuff, but I don't really know what what it means. Um, Elliot, what are some of your your negative takes? Okay, so I kind of said I was, it was on the fence was my first impression, but you know, there definitely are some negatives. Andy highlighted some of the big ones. Star building is huge, but in terms of negatives, one, they cut two Pro Tours. They announced those Pro Tours like three or four months ago, and it hyped a bunch of people up, and now they're just gone. Second, they cut travel rewards for for the new Mythic Fests, but also prizing goes down to last place in a Mythic Fest. So does that mean that if you're having prizing down to last place and it has to be some sort of reasonable number to be a, a, an actual prize, does that mean a, a mythic fest is like a hundred players instead of 250 or 300 or even more like we have at most recent pro tours? Like my biggest concern, and I, I touched on this a little bit earlier is what's happening to all the silver pros. What's happening to all the bronze pros are, are these people who are averaging playing something like two and a half pro tours a year, all of a sudden going to be playing, 0.5 pro tours per year is is the dream completely dead for anyone who's not outside of the top 32 or just outside of the top 32 uh how much are this 
this current generation of pro players going to be eating it in terms of the rewards that they're giving up to like we're just the sacrifices for the top 32 to be to be making this living you know like i'm i'm sure if you if you crystal ball 10 years into the future if a player spent a couple years in the top 32 and was doing the star building doing streaming and maybe creating a living that way even with the contract maybe you spend a couple years in the top 32 fallout and you you kind of have this personality enough to keep going with your stream but you know if you're the 33rd ranked player in the world right now who because the contracts are live the top 32 players have contracts right now but if you're the 33rd are are you kind of are you done for you know like do you have to give up on the dream almost and that's what's really scary for me is you know on one hand a legitimate legitimized esport of this is your living full stop you can play magic you know for as long as you're doing it is very cool but on the other hand their whole concept of professional magic for for as long as i've known it has been play the game see the world anyone can do it and you support the pros who are very good at it but it boiled down to anyone can do it and if we have no information about what the ptq system's like and we have no information of how big these mythic fests are supposed to be you know like what does that mean for me? Sure, for Ben Stark, he's one of the best players in the world. He's a Hall of Famer. He's going to be fine if he can dedicate himself and make a living out of this, someone like him or someone like LSV. But, you know, if, if my best finish is top 16 of a Grand Prix and I'm trying, to, I'm trying to qualify for my first Pro Tour, I'm playing an RPCQ on Sunday, you know, is it, I don't want to say a waste because at the end of the day, it's my hobby. I'm not, you know, I have a career already. But, you know, is it, is it fruitless for me to be chasing the dream of playing on the pro tour at this point? So I'm, I'm looking forward to them making another announcement that has the remaining details, but those are my concerns. Those are legitimate concerns. And uh, Andy, do you share, do you share those concerns? Yeah, I, sh- I share a lot of those concerns. Like the life of the grinder is in jeopardy right now because it, it's not what was announced. Like, what's a magic grinder going to look like? And which kind of makes sense. You want to announce the flashiest, the the big moneymaker, the thing you want to see on the screen. You want to announce that stuff first and then kind of flesh out the system as you go and maybe announce that stuff. But I think, uh, I think I'm a little worried, like, for, like, what magic's going to be for me. But I think magic getting bigger... And then, like, when you do get an opportunity, maybe the opportunity will matter more, like, when you qualify for one of these things. Like, I hope there's still enough qualifications out there that there's still something worth chasing, because I really like to play competitive magic, even if I'm not in the top 32, just just outside of the top 32. And uh, I hope that I still get to have that feeling of, like, competing in tournaments and having the adrenaline and, and the rush of stuff like that and trying to qualify. I hope that's still there. And if it is, I think this is all upside, baby, as long as that stuff still stays in some capacity. Even if it's like a little lower, I think that that is okay. Because I think like there's going to be, this opens up the opportunity for so much more than just uh, GPs uh, and pro tours, essentially. Like there could be like, like think of like fire, think of Hearthstone, think Fireside Gatherings, like all these kind of tournaments or tournaments that are like big, like GPs online, an online GP. What if we get to play an online GP? 
Holy <laughs> moly. Arena. Arena GP. I'm just excited at the possibilities. Ellie, I, I think you're the fastest reader slash processor of the team. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick your brain. If, if, if you know or if they have not released this info yet, they said the inaugural year of the MPL comprises 32 of Magic's top-ranked players from around the world. Does that mean top 30? Are they going to pick the top 32 right now? Because um, my, my friend, good friend, one of my best friends in Magic, and consensus, I would say consensus, best player in the country, Alex Hain. Um, I checked it out. He would be uh, in the feel-bad zone, being ranked 33 at, the point, at this moment. And not only that, another fun fact is that in the World Championship BBD1, where he got one of the slots uh, to win the World Champion, the GP slot, Alex was the one on the outside looking in. So, so this is a lot of run bad, being, being the one missing out on this like elite tier of benefits, but uh, Elliot uh, is is but it says comprises thirty two of. I don't know. I don't know. Does that mean Alex is screwed? <laughs> it seems to me like this is part of the contract of if you are a top thirty two ranked player, you get the year long contract that involves playing in the MPL, and that's kind of part of it. Like it says, the inaugural year comprises. 32 of the Magic's top-ranked players. So I think that means the 32 top-ranked players right now that have those contracts I mentioned. And they'll be competing in the weekly competitive matchups and in Mythic-level tournaments. So it's, it seems like that MPL is reserved for the 32 people with a contract, which I, I think is going to be like locked in at the start of the year kind of thing. Um, and then the Mythic-level tournaments seem to be kind of like how you qualify for being in that top 32. So anyone can compete in a mythic level tournament. It seems like mythic level tournament points, if you will, are kind of replacing pro points. Um, so I th- think that the Magic Pro League is not just top 32, but it's highlighted by them. So I don't think Alex is out of, out of everything. I'm still trying to wrap my head what it means to to you, Derek, as a grinder. Right? I mean, as you say in the in the chat, it's going to rise Magic as a whole. It's going to bring a lot more attention. It's growing. We talked in our chat together how like the streaming numbers are up. I mean, everything's pointing in the right direction. Um, but yeah, I don't know how to feel in your shoes exactly. Yeah, um, I recently sort of made the move to being like a known moto grinder. Uh, and that was sort of my thing into Twitch streaming, but I was mostly streaming Moto. I recently tried to stream Arena and realized that my graphics card wasn't up to date, so I was just going to ask for one of those things for Christmas and then just like move on from there. But um, it seems to me like not that Moto's on the way out because I don't think Moto's going anywhere, but I do think that everything else is sort of rising and Moto is not rising not necessarily that moto is falling but when you have a bunch of people porting into arena who've never played magic before that they have no real reason to play modern right if you can keep them occupied with draft and standard to me moto will just be a hub for modern legacy vintage players and uh random cube drafts if they only do that on moto um i mean mocks 
Mox is a huge thing for Moto also, but I don't think you're going to have new players doing that. And with this announcement this year, I don't know if there will be a Mox in a couple of years. Um, just with the way things are looking now, like they're getting rid of pro benefits. They're getting rid of Hall of Fame as we know it. Why would they not get rid of the mocks? They don't want to support a dead program. So to me, like the mocks is on the way out. So enjoy it while you can, I guess. Um, for me, it's looking into arena and figuring out the best way to, to monetize that and sell my soul to people on arena. Uh, but we had just talked about, was it last week or the week before about the, the legacy and, and the vintage challenges, right? That, that would qualify you, I imagine, for one of these mythic champs? Right. Yeah. It's uh, basically like before there was Mox Monthlies, which qualify you for Mox Quarterlies, and Mox Quarterlies queue you for the Mox event and Pro Tours. Um, and then you can win something like Mox Opens, which are open to anybody, and you can win one of those, and you qualify for the Mox and for the Pro Tour. The new format challenges, you get format points through format challenges on the weekend, which qualify you for format events of each month or something. But, like, if, like I, don't, I don't think they have a reason to do that. If I were them, I, I don't think I would have a reason to do that. Um, as a player, you mean like I have a reason to play? No, 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 no. Like wizards to continue like, with those programs. Yeah, um, I know modern's the most played format. I know that a lot of like Star City Games and random other third-party companies really support the the modern format because standard was so bad for the past two years. And it was sort of like, you can sell more cards in modern because there's so many, so many decks, right? Like you, somebody needs to buy a deck, they'll buy this random card, right? You're just, you're just selling more cards, kind of like commander players. But uh, now that if, they, if they're moving a lot of things over to arena and they're making these like 75,000, like they're giving more people incentive to make money while playing magic, then you'll have less people needing to like, grind their way through value so you won't have as many like random events and random other things because i think people will be trying to be top 32 or playing magic casually like the 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 idea of the grind the big in between of like the pro tour people and the people that are just playing for fun is going to like really shrink um and so like in in my theory i think like the SCG tour, unless they blow up themselves right now at this moment, the next month or so, I think they might start to shrink in the next little bit. Also, um, if magic actually starts branding itself as an esport, So like this, this to me is a big selling to most people. It's like ride the wave or drown. You, you better, you better hold on and come with, or you're going to get left behind. That's how I see it. Yeah. I do love that it leaves like the opportunity for like third party people to host tournaments just strictly online so they don't have to have this enormous overhead costs to run these pretty cool tournaments. Like Hearthstone, I barely understand a lot of their tournament structure, but they just got tournaments going on all the time. And I like that uh maybe Magic can start doing this with Arena as well. Uh but one thing that has me just super hyped is uh the fact that S- Standard is so good right now. 
that this is the perfect time for this kind of thing to start happening. Like, this is the perfect time to get this large influx of players into standard. We have, like, eight decks that are all relatively the same power level. There's a bunch of different versions of them, and you could probably reasonably budget almost any of these decks. Like, you can have budget considerations for all the decks, maybe excluding Black Green. <laughs> but Or, like, this guy, because there's so many rares. But I think this... It's just the perfect time. Like, when I think of Hearthstone, the, a cool thing is there's so many different decks, and there's a couple variations of all the different decks because of heroes. But in Magic, there's so many different decks right now because Standard is just so goddamn good that Amen. I think, that I think uh, it's the perfect time. And pushing it now is, I think, ideal because of how good Standard is right now and how good of a job the play design team, I can only assume, did I, I have to assume that they're behind this because it's so fleshed out it's so even keel everything power level wise that there's just whatever kind of magic you want to play you can play you could like aggressive mid-range aggro all playable there's nothing that's actually just head and shoulders better than anything else so it's the perfect standard format and the perfect uh time for people in arena i think have you uh have you been on the arena subreddit? No. Oh, it, it is the exact opposite of everything you talk about. I don't ever go on Reddit. Right. So that's probably a good thing. Um, I recently went to the arena subreddit because um, I was complaining about somebody in one of my local Facebook groups talking about how the arena shuffler sewered them because they drew like four lands in a row when their opponent was at one life and they couldn't draw a creature to kill them. And they're like, if the computer was random, this wouldn't happen. And I was like, actually, that's exactly what randomness means. It should happen because like it's random. So if it's possible, it'll happen. And they just didn't respond. So somebody told me to go to the arena Reddit and like go through that. And it's like the exact thing, like, I hate to fairy. I hate Goblin Chain Whirler. Experimental Frenzy is such a stupid card. My opponent's a Luxac. And there's like actively people on the arena subreddit trying to get to fairy banned. They like will post these like really elongated uh, paragraphs about how to is really stupid. And like, I just think it, it gives me flashbacks to when I was younger and I was trying to play competitive magic. And yeah. Ma- magic is like it's, you think it's you think it's like fair now. You talk to some of these arena players, and they don't think any of it's fair. <laughs> I think I think it's just Reddit. Reddit is always like that. Reddit is like you don't go onto Reddit with like an even mindset. You go on Reddit to get mad. <laughs> uh, I, I use it for comedy. When I when I tilt off on Moto, I go to the arena subreddit. <laughs> oh. Man, okay. Shout out to, to people in chat. We're going to back to the Brian uh, Drailing. Hope I pronounced your last name right. So remember when everyone thought party poker was rigged? A lot, a lot of people thought poker sites were rigged, but at some point, they were. Um, Ultimate Bet got in a huge scandal because the admin, there were super user accounts where you could actually see other people's hole cards. Um, I'm just going to go through now that we also have Kale Thompson in the chat, former national champion. Uh, just talk, run through the programs that they're cutting, some of them. Uh, basically, they're cutting nationals, they're cutting World Magic Cup, and they're cutting team series. I'll just give my quick 
takes on how I feel about all of this. World Magic Cup. Uh, one of my best friends is playing in it. It's happening soon, December 14 to 16 in Barcelona. And I'm not hyped about it. I don't really care. Um, I, again, I, I want to know what you guys think. Um, like the whole idea of, I was hyped when it was first announced, the whole idea of repping my country. There's even, like, Watsi did an article about me where I'm just like, man, that's the one achievement I'm missing is to represent Canada at the event. And it's just like, no one, no one cares. Uh, but the team series, it was something that I was worried about. Also, it not really catching on, and they're cutting that as well because it, it was, you know, didn't really care about these teams. Like, Shaheen Surani on Lingering Souls, and then he's like on all these different teams. It was like, again, hard to really feel attached to a certain team. And, and that's what like really sunk it for me. And Nationals, um, Canada is one of the few countries where the players are actually excited about Nationals. But I think they were all let down, even though I think we hosted it well as face-to-face games, hosted it well in the twice, two times, I think that I was part of the organization, but it was just, it just felt less hype, whether it be like the format and the fact that we, someone, I don't know, scheduled it last time on Canada Day. So people weren't as hype about going. They were, they were on family vacation and stuff like that. So I don't know. I, in general, I just felt a lower level of excitement around nationals. So by cutting all these three things, I don't think I feel bad at all. I'll go to you, Andy. What's your your take on your feels for these three things that they cut? Well, I, I love national. I love nationals a lot. Like drafting and playing standard feels a lot like the pro tour, but like everyone kind of gets to play it. And I, I hope that like some third party can host something similar and just to any success. But I, I'm upset that it's gone because I just really loved this kind of tournament structure. Hopefully that kind of thing just maybe they roll out more tournaments with that kind of structure and then I don't care anymore. But uh, I I did love nationals for the tournament structure and like it was all your friends there from Canada. So that was always a big plus side to nationals for me. So I am sad that it's gone, but in reality, the World Magic Cup sucks. And <laughs> I played in it and it sucked. I've watched it. And it sucked, and I've not watched it, and that didn't suck. I don't think it's not entertaining. It's on your resume forever. Yeah, World Magic Cup 219th or whatever it was. (laughs) Actually, I think we came 63rd. You know, top 64. You were on the national team? Oh, God. Hell yeah, dude. (laughs) Yeah, before your time, Derek. Before anyone's time, really. Yeah. Tell me. Tell I, me. I knew you won. Uh, you won one of those go play at Wizards things, but I didn't know you were on the national team. The, sun, the Sunday yeah. show. show Sunday guy? Super Series. Yeah. Super series. The two things that probably like mattered the least in Magic accomplishments. Yeah, World Magic Cup and the Sunday Super Series. <laughs> Says wow. current standard trophy leader. I think. I think Andy's more known in my eyes as the. The spirit award winner because his house burned down and oh, uh, yeah. got that spirit money. What? <laughs> we won the spirit award uh, at the World Magic Cup because my house burned down and Jason Wong held a charity magic tournament for me. And so Watsi gave us thousands of dollars. 
It was kind of bizarre though because they gave everyone on our team fifteen hundred dollars, so they had to just like awkwardly either accept it or just look at me. Or it was five hundred. So like, oh god, no! Immediately, it's really so like, well, I'll, I'll just give it all to you, I guess. Okay, kill, kill former na- national champ. The World Magic Cup was probably the best time I ever had at a tournament, and we scrubbed out big time. Sex is a spectator event, though, for sure. And I think I, I feel the same way about nationals. I, I feel exactly how you feel, Andy. Like, the standard and draft format is kind of awesome, but it just seemed like no one yeah, no one cared. So that, that's why it was bad. Uh, what about – okay, go ahead, Andy. I was going to say – Oh, mm, it, I, I agree it, with Kale that it was like a very fun tournament to play because you have a team, like a team tournament of that high level is fun to play, but it's just garbage to watch. And sometimes you have to understand that that's more important. Like the the sixty thousand, seventy thousand people watching are more important than the three hundred to four hundred playing. Derek, yeah, I was just gonna say that I'm very happy. That, uh, oh, I guess this could be the positivity corner. I'm very happy that uh, I only have seven pro points because uh, the pro season next year and the year after just seems non-existent. So it's not like I did a bunch of stuff for nothing. I just sort of like was mediocre and it's okay because I didn't lose any equity. So I don't know if this is good complaint equity or bad complaint equity, but... <laughs> I'll sure use some way to to put it in my favor. <laughs> uh, something else that they're they're changing uh, for the Magic Pro Tour Hall of Fame. 2019 will be the last year of qualification and voting. As you know it, when we get to voting season, we'll have a new Magic Hall of Fame structure to unveil. That is that's interesting. I think they might assign. I don't know. I just feel like they'll probably assign a, a smaller group of, of voters and not just anybody that has a podcast would, would be my guess. Um, but I don't think, I don't think we speculated they might change the benefits, but it just seems like they're just changing how people are going to get in. They might make it stricter or something. I don't know. That That's how I feel. And, and that the voting, you have to have, be more credentialed to vote. and, and Stuff like that. Elliot, is that your impression? Or, or do you think they're just like going to scrap it somehow? Well, I don't think they're totally going to scrap it. I think that it's kind of a, a big thing on the resume for someone to claim they're in the Magic Hall of Fame. And I think it's a big part of Magic going forward to continue having something like that. Uh, I do think that, as I mentioned, they're kind of hinting towards the mythic fests or, or new Pro Tours uh, are going to be quite smaller. So I, I don't think that Hall of Fame is just going to get you an invite still. Uh, I saw LSV and um, Brian Kibler talking about that on Twitter, that they both expected the writing is on the wall for the end of Hall of Fame invites. Uh, in terms of changing the voting process, I think that they're just trying to make it as hard as possible for Chris Pakula to get in. Uh, <clears throat> that's probably their end goal. <laughs> and, uh, I don't think it's... I mean, the Hall of Fame is like... It's kind of cool. It's the the cherry on the cake of a great Magic career, but is it really a big deal? Eh, no. Did you watch Seth, Seth Matfield's acceptance speech? I did. I mean, obviously, it's important for the people that are in it. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, if you, if you cut the Hall of Fame, does that, does that change my life? No. 
is it one if it's one person getting in a year does that change anything for them or for anyone else not really if anything it makes it kind of mean more so yeah andy kind of just mentioned the chat maybe maybe the new new system is just anyone named chris pakula gets in the hall of fame that's the new requirement you have to catch five cheaters <laughs> to get into the hall of fame it's like community service to graduate high school you have to have like catch x cheaters on your resume to get in the hall of fame <laughs> you, have to, you have to call them out on twitter or it doesn't count so do you think so this um which brings me to the question this pax east event is going to be played over oh yeah mtg arena I was, I was speaking of cheaters, Andy. I was just worried, like, with more money on the line, it's like, are people going to want more, you know, better judging and stuff like that, or, or more diligent? Are, are they going to hack the mainframe? <laughs> Not enough. Do, do, you think, do you think like it's going to be only hackers because the arena is actually coded so poorly that the top thirty-two is just the, the best thirty-two anonymous hackers in the world? It's like the, there's going to be more money. For the tabletop competitions as well. Oh, what what are your take, Andy? I don't have too much of a concern of like needing better judges. Maybe more judges. I think like the high level judges that we have do a pretty great job for the most part. And uh, I think maybe having more of them just to be more vigilant or just more presence will maybe deter some people. I think the best deterrence would just to be a lifetime ban these people, but you know, I think uh, I don't think awesome. that's a concern for me. That'd be awesome. Now, now that it's like magic is even more awesome to be part of uh, at the highest competitive levels. Just a ban them lifetime would be pretty. Would be a pretty. I don't know why I feel like it's a pretty sweet punishment for people trying to cheat people out of um, significant amounts of money um, moving forward. So. I, yeah. Derek, <laughs> Derek still looking at me funny. Um, at the same time, I think that having more judges and being more vigilant and upping the, the penalties for catching cheaters, I think that a big step would be promoting, promoting the judge program to players so that they know that they should call a judge as often as possible. Like I was, uh, I was talking to someone who played in an RPTQ this weekend, and I'm not going to name any names, but they messaged me that they believed at some point during their opponent resolving a serum visions that the two cards in their opponent's hand and the two cards they were scrying may have swapped. And so they think that like, maybe my opponent just cheated me, but how do you ever prove that? Like, what do you do in that situation? Do you call a judge and kind of accuse your opponent of cheating in that sense? And my answer to him as, as a level two judge myself was I would never call a judge, but you should, you 100% should have, but I could never do it. And I don't know, I think that we should try to, we should definitely try to eliminate that stigma. And I think that, that would go a long way towards catching cheaters. Not saying that anyone in the scenario was cheating. You know, I'm not, I'm not throwing out accusations, but like, I think that if something sketchy happens, you should call a judge 100% of the time. And uh, I think that would go a long way as well. What I, what I would give for that stigma to go away. Like sometimes I'm just like not 100% sure how something works and I just call a judge. I just call a judge all the time. Even at the RPTQ, I was playing with uh, Japanese ancient stirrings, and I grabbed my top four cards, and I'm like, do I actually get to look at five? And I called a judge. <laughs> Round one. <laughs> so do I get to look at another card? <laughs> I did. 
Uh, we're going to move to modern and give a quick modern standard take, but quick wrap up. Which one of us is excited and going to Boston packs? Are we bringing the first strike team together? Elliot, any interest? Uh, I don't know how far Boston is from Montreal. I assume, I assume we're just going to go with the KYT. We're going to road trip it. I'm down. Eight, eight, nine hour drive. I think eight hours. It's, Let's uh, go. it's, it's closer from Montreal than it is from Toronto. It's like 10 hours from Toronto, and I think it's eight to nine hours from Montreal. Are you going down? Are you coming down, Derek? I mean, uh, going down. <laughs> I mean, we'll see what happens in the next month. Okay, okay. But, um, I have read that I think day passes for that packs are looking uh, pretty locked up. Like, it's going to be hard to get into. I don't know how they're going to do it, but oh. um, because like pa- PAX is a big event. PAX isn't just some like random thing that they just have, right? Like, right. I completely forgot about that. Actually, yeah. So I don't know the logistics of it. Um, so that might put a wrench in things. But yeah, I'd I'd love to go. I've always wanted to go to Boston. It's a really nice area. Saturday is sold out, according to Brian in chat. Andy, if it was not sold out, would you be excited if it's not sold out? Uh, I would. I would consider going. That's uh, about as far as I would go. I would consider it, and maybe I would just do it anyway. I don't know. It sounds pretty cool. I'm. I'm. I'm so unbelievably hyped right now. And typically, like uh, this kind of stuff is super frightening, right? Because it's a lot of change, and change is spooky. But I think. I think all this direction is going into a place that's overall going to be good for the game of magic yeah. and hope hopefully for me the way i like to play magic will still live in some capacity which is i want to be a pro player but i am not a pro player not yet not yet uh, <laughs> phil sams who i went to dream hack with with jerry t says lock me in for packs magic arena grinder p sams reporting for duty and then says, lol, JK. So, anti-shout-out to you, PSABs. <laughs> and um, Alex in the chat corrects me, Boston's like six-hour max. Probably, I, I've just gone down to too many places in the U.S., like Providence, Worcester, and stuff like that, so I get all the hours mixed up in my head. Justin Robert, shout-out to you. Okay, so let's go to some modern standard a bit. Uh, let's just talk about what ha- Wait, Andy. What happened? Well, I played KCI in the regional Pro Tour qualifier. I was going to try to pronounce the name, and I literally don't know what the first part of something Clan Ironworks is. I stopped in the middle of it. But anyway, so I, I played that deck, and I lost round one to eternal legend Matthew Dilks. He played very well. His list looked pretty good. And he killed me on turn three while EEing my Mind Stone and having a Pact Negation. <laughs> and, uh, and in game two, it was like sort of a, a game that I think I easily win if I hit my third land drop, and I don't. So, but I kept a one lander with an Ancient Stirrings and a couple Cyclers. So it's like not that unreasonable that I miss. I think I did get unlucky, but whatever. Move on. I win the next four, putting me in a win and in. And I play against Spirits, which is the worst matchup. I lose game one, I win game two, and then I lose game three. 
<clears throat> and then I win the last round for the respectable 5-2 record 10th place. <laughs> and I think the deck is... Uh, KCI is unbelievably powerful. And I think uh, main deck Psy is the way of the future if you're going to play that deck because I just killed so many people with just having main deck Psy keep me alive for so long. And then it also makes comboing just on easy mode. Because even if you don't ever find a loop, you just eventually get into a spot where you have like 10 Thopters and 5 blue mana from Psy. So even if you somehow are starting to brick, you could just like draw next 5 cards and keep on going and you're almost, it's almost impossible to brick. <clears throat> I, I played against a first strike loved one, Alex Bianchi, where I played Psy game 1 and just won the game with a bunch of Thopters. I think <laughs> And then game two, he just beat me down. Game three, I, uh, I'm i comboing, and the game is just over. Alex could not beat Swansong backed up KCI on turn four. And then uh, he asked me if I have a loop, and I'm pretty sure I do with, like, double KCI and double Scrap Trawler, but I'm, I just look at him and say, I don't know, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have literally over 20 Thopters in play, and, like, 20 mana and 10 blue mana. I was like, I'll kill you somehow eventually. <laughs> I asked him like halfway through, I was like, do you want a scoop? I can keep going, I guess. <laughs> oh my it God. was a wild one. I, I, I liked the deck, and I think that the result of 5-2 is fine. I think it's a good result. I lost my winning into a bad matchup. I beat that matchup earlier. The deck has the ca ca capacity to beat a lot of sideboard cards. So I beat like five or six stony silences on the day just by having four nature's claims on my sideboard and size to help get you to them. I, so I, I, was, I did read uh, the deck. I did read spirits is the worst right out of the main decks for you. Yeah, it's the worst, but like it, it's not that bad. Like the KCI doesn't have any matchup that's that horrible. It's just spirits is about as bad as it gets. And I don't know, maybe it's 40% or something like that. And uh, so I would run the deck back. If I would 100% play the deck again, I'm, I told KYT after the tournament, I told the first strike uh, staff, I was like, I'm ordering the deck. I'm ordering it today. <laughs> I thought Elliot. it was very good. Elliot, you're going to qualify for the RPTQ? Yeah, I am running Andy's exact 75 on Sunday. Uh, we kind of arrived at it together. We made like a couple changes from like a stock list. So. I've I've played basically zero games with the deck since Nationals, where I played an open with it. I'm going to read the manifesto. We got a couple articles I've read. I'm ready to go. Um, I was actually listening to to the second to last uh, most recent uh, Pro Points podcast, where, where Sam Black actually talks about that KCI is like not as hard as people think. It's like and what Andy said reminded me of what he said, because he said, like, at some point, like, you don't know how exactly you're going to kill them, but you're going to kill them. <laughs> you're going to figure it out. Yeah, there's, there's two loops that I basically memorized. And the thing is, like, they're the only two that you really need. It was like, and it all just involves having, like, KCI, Trawler, Retriever, Spellbomb, and like, anything else. <clears throat> and once you get to a spot where you have two one-drops, you draw your whole deck and have infinite mana if you have a Mox Opal. So it's just, it's, it's not actually that difficult to get to that point. Sequencing matters a lot, and there's a billion micro decisions, which is why the deck is inherently very difficult. 
But I think, uh, shout out to whoever, I, I can't remember the guy's name who made that manifesto. <laughs> I, I read the whole thing and brought it to my tournament. I brought, I brought the 66-page manifesto out of my bag between rounds to sideboard. I, I saw you, you. Did you tweet out that image? You posted yeah. it somewhere, and I was it, laughing. It was in the nation. Um, man. And, and like Derek, this, this, this poor soul made a poor decision not to monetize his manifesto. <laughs> um, I, I, Derek is not qualified. Well, he didn't play. He doesn't care about modern, so we'll wrap up modern with uh, a plug, final nub plug. Besides the, the manifesto that is apparently available in public, final nub has, has put together two guides. Um, I call them battle plans just because they're not really like it's, it's not an in depth guide and it's not just a cyborg guide, but there's um, a dredge guide and a Grishel brand. Guide coming up that I'm going to be posting later tonight for anyone interested in playing those two decks, a graveyard based deck at GP Portland or at an art upcoming RPTQ that's available to everyone uh, of our patrons at the First Strike Nation level. So excited to put those together. And also at that level, you get access to Derek's Green Black, his, 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 his pet deck in the standard format, Green Black, been touting it for so long. And you can get that either by becoming a member of the nation or, and you should do this as well, subscribing to Misplaced Ginger's Twitch stream. Derek, what, what are some cards that people have played? I, I won't name any names, but you know, I, I copy and pasted some amount of deck lists in our First Strike staff chat, and you appear to be skeptical of, of some of the, the new nuggets that, that people are trying to put in. Uh yeah, are we are we talking about the, the like undergrowth version of green black? Yeah, the, yeah. The deck's like borderline unplayable, and I don't know how people play it. Um, Nasif has been like tuning it, if you can call it that, on Twitch for the past like week and a half, and I think I've paired against him twice, and I just crush him every single time because he just like can't beat. You can't beat the card advantage engine out of a green-black deck ever because the main loop of that deck is to just go Memorial of Folly into Molder Hulk and you just, like, have infinite Molder Hulks, right? But, like, if your opponent just has, like, a Syncopate or a Veraska's Contempt, the rest of your deck is just so garbage that you just can't ever win. Like, imagine playing a 1-1 one, one for 1 that mills three cards. What does that accomplish? That's for the <laughs> folks at home, because nobody knows what it accomplishes. It does nothing. It just sort of like sits there. You think it's cool? It's not. Don't put that card in your deck. Trust me. All right? Cardius Tyrant is a 7-6 with Hexproof and Trample. It just kills your opponent. Why are you playing these cards? I just don't get it. It just doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't make sense to me. Just like... Play Vivian. Vivian draws you a card every. Vivian draws you your card. It's tyrants. Uh, I don't know. It's 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 amazing to me how like people are just given free information with like the way the internet works now, and they just choose not to play one of the best decks in the format. I mean, like Nasiba makes sense. He's trying to do entertainment value, but if anybody brings that deck to the like the standard event, uh, I don't know. They, they they're obviously just much better than I am. I guess. <laughs> Probably it. Well, how how have your results been? Are you 
Are you up there in the, in the trophy grinding? Uh, I have 23 trophies right now. I'm first, second has 19, and then third has like 16. Um, my win rate, I'd have to run the numbers. There's a program that does it for you, but I think it's above 70%. It might be around 68%. Um, I, I could probably figure out the numbers and post it. Um, but like, I feel like if you play as much magic as I do and your win rate isn't that high, you're, you should do something else. Like, <laughs> if my win rate wasn't that high, I, I wouldn't have a lot of hope. Like, I can't read and I can't write. I should be good at magic, right? That's how the world works. Um, yeah. yeah. Gotta, gotta capitalize those uh, yeah. card names. Make yeah. your guy look more professional. Mm-hmm. I, gotta, I gotta sneak that citywide bus into one of my sideboards. That way, when I make it, it'll be there for the first strike nation. Not, like with, with the way the internet works, I think um, there's like stuff like this manifesto, a lot of it um, is, is available for free. And I've been saying that like people should either seek out information or do more information or, or monetize some of it. Like uh, me and Keith were like, Derek, what are you doing? Why are you posting this in-depth guy as the number one trophy guy freely on Reddit? We shook, we shook our heads. Um, but there's a lot of people that are uh, outside of us, like everyone on this team uh, is either playing actively or has had some sort of result. Um, Jonathan, Final Nub, SCG Champion, uh, GP Top 8, or people are actively playing like Derek. So we've ha- we, you have to respect these people's opinion. And I think... It reminds me of uh, a recent lunch I had with, with Alex Hayne, and we talked about how, of course, a lot of players will message him on Facebook and Twitter for his opinion on decks, and he's like, you know, these players that come to him have likely grinded the format way more than them. Like, he doesn't really care about modern. He's got standard and whatever to worry about at the World Magic Cup, so he doesn't know, but he finds that these players will just want to listen to him, even though he's barely played a deck that someone has played, like, grinded two weeks in. So it's important to know, uh, it's important to respect as people that aren't huge names that are putting uh, the grind. In fact, I was just planning to play Bad Spirits this weekend uh, at the LCQ, not, not qualify like Elliot. And it seems like consensus that Bad Spirits is one of the easier decks to just pick up and, and play. And there, there's this guide by uh, Sebastian, Sebastian Pozo, or a very a pro that, that seems to, to be a strong player, has a decent record, and, and checking him on MTG ELO seems to have been doing well uh, in his career. And the way that he described how to approach inside for the dredge matchup is completely different from someone, uh, this Twitter account, Cat Light, that I, I follow, who seems to have been putting a lot of games in. She took a different approach. She even commented on, on uh, Sebastian's article. And then I asked Final Nub who had the more reasonable approach and he went with the non-pro. So it goes to show that it's not really always uh, the pro that is going to have the best answer. Some, some of them don't really play the deck as much, depending on what tournament is relevant to them at the time or, or coming up. So don't net deck spirits. Damn. That's what Final Nub is saying in the chat. I thought you said it was a reasonable deck in the article you sent me. Yeah, guy, guy who says... Play hardened scales. Says don't net deck spirits. He probably just has a bad spirits matchup. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
Wait, he was playing. Does Dredge have have a bad spirits matchup? Dredge has no good matchups anymore. It's dead. Dredge is dead. Dredge is dead. Dredge is dead. But still, check out patreon.com slash first strike on how to get your Dredge and Grishel Grand Glides. And an updated is a drinks guide. Is that any reminds me will be coming out soon? And Alex Bianchi, if you want a guide that's relevant in 20, 2009 and also this year, you can get his Blue Moon guide. And he's also working on a blue white control guide that I think we can get by tomorrow. So, so just in time for people who want to play blue white control over the weekend. And that's it for us. We just broke down what we would play in modern. We broke down Derek's thoughts on standard. And for the bulk, 75% of the show, our initial reaction to the $10 million announcement. So like this video, subscribe to the channel, leave a comment how you feel about the announcements. We, I will read all of them because we don't get that many. Most of it is in chat. So please leave a comment, and we will see you next. Week Chris uh, in chat says Bad Spirits is a better deck than most players that play it, so it gets my vote. And I think Edgar Edgar Magohe's super friend of the show says that's the deck that he recommended to the most people who asked him in Toronto. And I think two copies, either top eight or top four, is what he said. So so definitely, I think it's probably likely a solid deck. So we'll see you next week. For the rest of these guys and me, ciao. Bye guys, love you all.